0: everyone to your rock m nation podcast uh my name is sam snelling and we're here for another episode of in the short corner uh today we are going to talk some mizzou hoops with probably a little mizzou football uh, sprinkled in because today with me is a, a good friend of mine um i'm sure some of you out there in the the internet land have have heard this guy and and myself do a, a podcast together in the past uh, we've been known for some emergency podcasts during the commanderson years where we all needed to vent a little bit uh, and he is a, a new, uh, newly minted lead football analyst slash writer uh, slash editor, whatever you want to call him. Uh, he is our football guy do-it-all at Rockham Nation. Uh, his name is Brandon Kylie. Brandon, how are you?
1: I'm good, man. I'm really excited to be on with you again. It's been a little while since we've done a podcast together, so um, I'm looking forward to this, and I'm looking forward to being part of the Rockham Nation team. I've been a long-time reader, first-time writer, so... I am. Uh, I'm looking forward to the football season, man. It's gonna be. It's gonna be a fun year. I think it's got the potential to be a really good year. So I'm really excited about being a part of what you guys are growing at Rockham Nation.
0: Well, we are uh, in a bit of a transition. We are in the the post Bill Connolly uh, era uh, officially now for for a year. Um, you know, Pete Scandalbury came in and, and did yeoman's work, and uh, the year that he was there, trying to just kind of hold everything together. Um, but I, I think this is kind of interesting because, w- you know, when when Pete and, and David both sort of left the site at the same time, they just you know like working for Rockham Nation is a, sort of a time consuming thing for people that don't know. Like, this is not our full time job, <laughs> <laughs> and most of us like have day jobs. Like, you know, Brandon, your day job is is as a a producer for a radio station. Mm-hmm. Um, you're a bit of a hustler when it comes to that stuff, so you're kind of all around, uh, the, you know, the media scape. Um, but yeah, it, it is a lot of work, and and having Bill there, who is sort of working full time for the the mothership, people kind of got a little bit uh, spoiled um, when I guess he is somebody just who's able to post things at all hours of the day, uh, and so now we have to be a little bit more proactive, a little more. <laughs> Uh, Planning and uh, I really think that this new group that we've hired is an excellent one, and I'm really happy that that sort of um, that you and I were able to kind of hook up and and get your voice in the site as well because I think when when people are looking for like reliable football voices, uh, and even though you you've mostly been covering like the Chiefs uh, in Kansas City now for a little while. you still have a passion for Mizzou football, and I think you're really going to bring that to the
1: site. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I've never been too far away. Like I, for those that may not know, kind of where I come from, what I've done in the past, and kind of why I matter. I guess um, I, I did cover Mizzou for quite a while. I was I came to Mizzou in 2011 as a young undergrad and somebody who was bright-eyed and bushy-tailed and all excited to get into the industry. Um, I knew for a while that I wanted to do something with journalism and probably sports radio, and that's ultimately the route that I went. Um, so I went to Mizzou for the J school, obviously, and started out covering anything that I could Mizzou. So I think I covered like a basketball or a, uh, a Mizzou volleyball game at some point. I know nothing about about volleyball, but you just do what you can. And so um, <laughs> I was covering stuff that I had no understanding of. And then eventually... You know, you get to your sophomore, junior year and you start doing more and more and you become somebody that can cover the sports. And this is, I mean, just the reality of it that you like really want to cover. I wanted to cover Mizzou football. I wanted to cover Mizzou men's basketball. Um, there's a reason why the majority of our readership is kind of geared towards those things, because it's where the most interest is. That's not putting anything to the side of what the women's basketball team has done or what the volleyball team is. But that that's where my interest lies. And so. Um, It was a lot of fun to be able to do that as an undergrad and then into um, whenever I ultimately got into the J school and started covering it more and more. And eventually my junior year at Mizzou, I worked for KTGR, which is the local Mizzou affiliate in Columbia. And so I did a ton of Mizzou basketball and football coverage there for about two and a half years. I actually ended up staying in Columbia for a year as a full-time employee there after I graduated. Um, and then after that, went on my way to St. Louis, worked for 101 ESPN in St. Louis for about two years or so, and ultimately got the call to come back home here in Kansas City. And at both sp- at both spots, I've continued covering Mizzou as much as I can. I had a podcast in St. Louis covering Mizzou football and basketball, and I've done the same here. I um, am the host of the True Sun podcast for 610 Sports, so if you want to check that out, feel free to do so. But you can find my writing now. It's all at rockamnation.com, and I will certainly be a guest from time to time on the Rock M Nation podcast. So that's kind of where I come from, and I have never strayed too far away from zoo at any one of my spots. So even though I'm not in Columbia anymore or wasn't in Columbia when I was in St. Louis, I continued to watch from afar and try to get out there as often as I possibly can still.
0: Well, it's hard to get away, particularly uh, the, the alma mater is, is, I think, something that you know even – even if you were to like move on to a you know completely different region, um, which I don't think you have any immediate plans to do, hmm. but uh, um, there's always going to be something that makes you pay attention to the homeschool, uh, and and that is certainly where we are for Missouri. Uh, I know most of the the people that listen to my podcast probably expect me to jump right into basketball, and you and I have done a fair amount of, of basketball discussion over the years, but I do want to kind of kick this off a little bit of football Um, since we are not far from the season, uh, like a week and a half um, there's, there's sort of like a lot of excitement, even though like there's still this sort of overlying cloud of the, you know, the NCAA sanctions and trying to determine uh, whether or not Missouri is going to be a bowl eligible, um, which hopefully we, we know sooner rather than later. Uh, there's still some some excitement for this team. I mean, Kelly Bryant has brought uh, a lot of excitement. Um, they, the football team returns like a lot of starters. Uh, the defense has has slowly been getting better under Barry Odom. Um, as far as like the overall season expectations, like wh- wh- where 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 are you standing? Like, what do you think this team uh, can be, uh, and and what do you think they kind of need to do to sort of maybe exceed those expectations.
1: So it's really interesting, man. I, I think this is going to be a fascinating season for so many different reasons. Um, first of all, just like going into the year, I think the number one thing that stands out if you're a Mizzou fan is just the schedule. I mean, nationally, this is what anybody that you talk to, and I've talked to plenty of people have said, is the schedule lays out in a way that it allows for Mizzou to potentially be a really good team when it comes to their record this year. I mean, Sam, if I was to ask you before the year, I would just say, hey, man, uh, you've got the opportunity to schedule any two teams in the SEC West. You have to play two, but you can schedule any of them that you want. Who would you want your favorite SEC East team to schedule? You would say Ole Miss and Arkansas. Those are the Mm -hmm. two worst teams in the SEC West, and those just so happen to be the two teams that Mizzou gets in the cross-division rivals or matchups this year. So that's a plus. You add in the fact that in the non-con, West Virginia is not the same team that they've been in the past. Dana Holgerson is now down at Houston, so I wouldn't anticipate that that's going to be the same type of matchup that we would have expected it to be when it was originally scheduled a couple of years ago. Wyoming shouldn't be a difficult game for this team. Like Maybe it ends up being a closer score than we anticipate, and it's on the road, so you can never count that as a gimme, but that's a game Mizzou should win 100 times out of 100. And SEMO is a team that you always expect to win, along with Troy. So the schedule lays out in a way that really allows them to be able to potentially capitalize on what is a really talented roster. And man, I was talking with um, a a national analyst a few few weeks ago, Phil Steele, and I just asked him, like, hey, what do you think of this Mizzou team? And he said they should win every game up until the game on Saturday, November 3rd when they travel to Athens to play against Georgia. And it's very possible that those next two weeks at Georgia and then at home against Florida will determine the winner of the SEC East this year. And I've got to agree with him. I think 9-3, and 10-2... That should be the expectation going into this season. Anything less than 9-3, and three, I think, can be considered to be a disappointment. Anything less than 8-4 and four would be a downright shock to me at this point. So I, I think it's going to be a really good team. They have the potential to be that. They should be that. The schedule allows for it. It all just comes down to whether or not they're able to prevent those slip-ups that we've seen in the past and try to capitalize on one of at least those two games at Georgia or against Florida that's probably going to determine the ceiling for the season for this Mizzou team.
0: So how much, uh, rope would a nine and three season sort of buy Barry Odom as far as like the leeway that he got? Cause I, you know, I know that a couple of years ago when they had the sort of horrific loss to, to Purdue, like, you know, that everybody was starting to kind of get the pitchforks ready. And it even last year, um, as they were sort of struggling to, to, you know, get to a positive record uh, kind of midway through the season. There were people, still a lot of people that were pretty unhappy with with how the program um, has sort of been run overall. And I, I'm not going to sit here and say that I think he's he's been clean from day one and everything's been hunky dory. I mean, he definitely had some growing pains. Um, you know, but I want to kind of phrase this more of a question to you, to you uh, instead of kind of opining myself, but so how much rope does he get if they go nine and three? Like, do you think this is, this is like one of those things where uh, people are for sure thinking Barry Odom is the guy to, to take the program to the next level. If, if they get to that level uh, or do you think people are kind of still sort of general murmuring at nine and three, thinking that maybe the team should have been 10 and two or 11 and one.
1: It's interesting. Um, I think it kind of depends how it happens. It, it, that's a wishy washy answer. And I hate doing that, but like last year going into the year, if you told me, "Hey, Mizzou's going to go 8 and 4 this season and the only losses are going to be against or three of the losses are going to be against top 15 teams nationally." That's the way the season's going to go. So you're 8 and 4, the three three of your losses during the regular season are to top 15 teams nationally. Two of those are the top 2 teams in the country. How do you feel about mm-hmm. that? Well, you feel great you about it. Feel pretty it, good. Right? Yeah. You feel great <laughs> about it. But then you look at how it happened. and you look at the fact that that South Carolina game was an unmitigated disaster in the way that they lost it. and the fact that in the second half against Kentucky, the offense just went into an absolute shell. And now, all of a sudden, you're looking at eight and four, and you're like, man, that should have been ten and two. Like that that's a season that you absolutely should have gone ten and two with a senior quarterback that had a fantastic season and you end it the way that they should have. Like that, that's how it should have gone down, and it didn't. And so is 8-4 and four a successful year given the preseason expectations? I would argue yes. I think that's basically the minimum of what they needed to do to be able to reach expectations. But they reached expectations last year, and so it shouldn't have been seen as a disappointment. Going into this year, my expectation is 9-3. and three. And so if they go 9-3... and three, I think that should buy Barry Odom a little bit of credit, but also if they go nine and three and you end up telling me at the end of the year that they found a way to lose at Kentucky again, or the (laughs) West Virginia game that we all thought was going to be the game that they would absolutely win. They find a way to lose at home in their home opener. Like there are ways that it still can become disappointing and frustrating and ultimately maybe wouldn't buy him the same amount of um, leash as we anticipate, but, yeah, nine and three would be a good season for this this team. Like, I I don't have these numbers off the top of my head, but I wonder how many regular seasons Mizzou's gone nine and three or better over the course of its history. I can't imagine it's a whole lot. So that should be considered a success.
0: Yeah, I agree, and I, I tend to think like when they they hired Barry Odom, there had to be a level of expectation of uh, struggle. And, especially at and the, the, beginning. the program did. especially at the beginning yeah well though well, the talent base was depleted um and he let's face it he made some really you know poor decisions uh and some of the the hires that they brought in um you know having the an offensive style that uh was quick strike and and capable of putting up a lot of points um even if it was against you know not great opponents um uh, i think put it made it more challenging uh, for him to sort of get the defense to the position that he want, but um, so all these things sort of I think snowballed for him early and and maybe built up a little bit of a bad vibe. But I, I'm kind of on the on the page right now where I think if you're going to um, if you're going to hit your wagon, I think you hit your wagon to, to, to Barry Odom, and and I, I think this is something that if you let it ride, like he's a guy that could really have this program. Uh, above so and beyond, down. you know what Mizzou fans kind of expect to, expect uh, in the next. Like, I just five or looked six this years. up, by the
1: way. So I said if nine and three, I can't imagine Mizzou's done that very often, right? So I'm looking at this mm-hmm. right now. That would be a 750 winning percentage. How many times in the last 50 years do you think Mizzou has had a winning percentage at or, or above 750 over the course of a, of a season for football? <sighs> over 50 the last years. 50 years so since
0: 1969 uh, uh i'm gonna say
1: 10 five ah. it's happened five <laughs> times in the last 50 years it happened in 1969 so they just snuck that one in <laughs> and then it's all the seasons that we remember it's 2010 it's 2014 it's 2013 and it's 2007 those are the only times that Mizzou's gone at least 9-3 and in terms of the winning percentage better than that over the course of the regular season. So when you look at it that way, like, yes, 9-3 and should be an absolute successful season. It would be the sixth most successful season for Mizzou in the last 50 years. But at the same time, I'm still saying to you that it kind of depends how <laughs> it happens. And so it's, it's crazy where we've arrived that 9-3 and could be even considered to be a disappointment. But that's where we are, man.
0: Well, I'm sure there'll be uh, a plenty of opportunity for um, for all of our Rockham Nation podcasts uh, to to sort of talk this through, and 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 you are planning on making lots of appearances on um, on the, the, the two main ones, which right now are the you know the the fifth down, uh, which you had some pushback on that that name. Uh, I thought <laughs> it was hilarious. <laughs> uh, I, you know, I feel, sometimes I feel like you know if you're a Mizzou fan, there's certain things that you have to embrace. Uh, and I feel like that's one of those things that you just have to wrap your arms around and be like, yep, we were the team that, uh, that if, if it weren't for some horrible officiating, uh, you know, Colorado wouldn't be able to claim, you know, part of a national title. Um, but, uh, yeah, so that's so the fifth down. And then we also have, uh, before the box score, uh, with Nate Edwards, I think Nate's going to do a good job with that podcast, um, both previewing and reviewing games. So let's move on. Are, are, are you good moving on? Yeah, Absolutely. Uh, cause I want to talk so,
1: a little bit of hoops and I couldn't have seen that one coming. I don't think <laughs> the audience could either. <laughs>
0: there's a, I would say there's a little bit of an uneasiness right now with Mizzou fans. Um, and, and not that I don't really detect that anyone is necessarily unhappy with the job that Konzo Martin is doing, but part of it is like Konzo is not really a marketer. And he's not a guy that's out here kind of selling how great the program is, uh, and and the progress that they're making, but quietly, like this coaching staff is really excited about the team that they have. Uh, and I think it's kind of made it difficult because there's, you know, with all the hubbub of the Porters kind of coming in year one, there was a level of excitement that I, I don't think you've seen around Mizzou basketball in decades. Um, and then the following year, I think everybody was just sort of like sort, you know, took a gut punch when uh when Jonte got hurt. And it, and it wasn't a great season last year. It was a tough season. Uh, the good news is that they got a lot of young guys to play. But moving into this season, Mizzou is like already, you can kind of see preseason polls. I think Rothstein came out and had him like 13th or something like that. Oh, wow. Something r- ridiculous. Um, but preseason polls, I don't think, are going to be very kind of Mizzou um, being around the program, at, you know, as you are like, what do you think we can expect uh, this season for Mizzou basketball?
1: Progress, I think would be the word that I would use. Um, we all so knew. How, how, how do you define that? So that, that's this a good is question. One of, sure. Yeah. So I, l- let me start here. We all knew what we saw in 2018 and the team that we were watching that season, it was essentially a figment of our imagination like that. That wasn't sustainable. Nothing that happened that year was sustainable because a lot of that was about the porters. And a lot of it as well was about Cassius Robertson, who was one of the best players in the sec that year. He took on a massive, massive load And he was a tremendous player, but he was only going to be there for one year. And so we knew at the time, even in the moment, that wasn't sustainable. And it shouldn't have been expected to be sustainable. The hope was at the time, and I think the hope still is now, that you would be able to capitalize on what the team was that season. And you would be able to continue that momentum into last year and now again into this year. And you'd be able to use that to be able to build what is a sustainable program, because that's what Mizzou's been missing. They've had success, they've had blips, and this isn't breaking news to any of our listeners to this podcast, certainly, but they've had the moments where they've been really damn good. The problem is none of it has been sustainable over the last 15 plus years. And so what you're hoping Konzo Martin's able to build here is something that is sustainable, and I think that's what I'm looking for this year, Sam, and that's where it's really hard to define what progress looks like, but also I think it's kind of like, What the Supreme Court determined (laughs) pornography is like—you know it when you see it, right? And so for this team, it's very difficult to say, like, "Hey, if they go, if they win 20 games this year, yeah, I would deem that to be a success. I would deem that to be progress. But if they were to win 18 games this year, they're just on the outside of the bubble. They end up going a little under 500 in conference. Is that deemed to be progress? It depends how it happens, and so it kind of goes back to that of. Then you're gonna deem it, or you're gonna judge it, based on how they look on the court and how some of the young guys specifically look, and what the rotation looks like, and if they're able to limit the turnovers this year, and if they're able to continue to be a good three-point shooting team. All of these things are things that go into it, and you know all of this. I'm not breaking any news to you either, but I think it's one of those things where it kind of just depends, and you'll have to watch to be able to see what it looks like. And in the end, we're going to be able to find out what that is.
0: Yeah, I find that interesting um, and sort of undefinable progress. Um, because I do think that with the lowered expectations of the national media, um, it, it does allow the program to fly under the radar. And I, I don't think a lot of people are quite, uh, at least people that don't listen to um dive cuts with with me and matt harris um maybe aren't as familiar with how good drew smith can really be uh and maybe are overlooking missouri
1: potential man there's no question about that
0: well uh, but also overlooking like kind of how good mark smith was last year um it's great and if mark smith is healthy and and mark smith really hasn't been healthy since his uh junior year of high school um fully healthy like with him and drew and and You know Torrance Watson and Javon Pickett. I just, and this is one of the reasons why. You know, I realized that we all want these recruiting wins. And you know, I I posted a a, sort of a commentary on Conzo's recruiting, and um, basically saying like, you you have a guy that knows what he's doing. Was the the, just the article, Uh, and we posted to Facebook, and that's always entertaining. Um, Well, there you know, commenters basically sort of lamenting the fact that Conzo hasn't quite been as successful in recruiting as like Ben Howland uh, at Mississippi state, you know, because Missouri, you know, very sort of publicly rebuked Ben Howland when they hired Kim Anderson right. for the job. Uh, you know, and the thing with Ben Howland is like, yeah, he's, he's recruited pretty well. He's gotten a lot of, a lot of late recruits, but you know, several of those guys have transferred out. He's had suspensions and, um, and they've been mostly kind of mediocre. So like what is it that we want as Mizzou fans? Like, like what do you want from Konzo Martin? Um, let's say like in the next two to four years. And, and if, if that comes to fruition, like what about years four
1: through eight? You asking me that? Yeah, I I think the thing that I'm looking for (laughs) is for them to be consistently, at least on the bubble of the tournament. Like, Mizzou should be competing for a spot in the tournament every single year. That's, it's not that hard to make the NCAA tournament. I know it feels like it is because at Missouri, it's not something <laughs> that we've become accustomed to over the last 10 years or so. But it's not that hard to make the tournament. It's really not. I promise you. And Mizzou is in a place recruiting-wise and just geographically where it shouldn't be that hard to make the tournament every year. And I'm not saying he has to, like, in a four-year cycle, let's say. I think he should make the tournament three years, be on the bubble one, and in one of those three years, he should have a team that he feels confident in and can make a run, whether that be to the Sweet 16 or whatever. He should have a team one of his four years in any recruiting cycle where he feels like things can come together. And this is the place ultimately where Gary Mm -hmm. Pinkle got his program. And I'm not saying Konzo has to be the Gary Pinkle of the Mizzou basketball program, but I'm just like for a comparison's sake. Pinkel really had basically every year you could expect seven and five. That was going to be the bare minimum. And for three of those years, he was going to go at least eight and four, nine and three. And in one of those years, in the four year cycle, he was going to have a team that could potentially go to the Big 12 or SEC title game. And that was good enough for Mizzou fans. And I think in basketball, that's all Mizzou fans are asking for. Be consistently solid. One year out of the four, if you miss the tournament, it is what it is. Everybody's got a down year. There has to be one year, though, out of that four or five-year cycle where you feel like you've got a chance. And if you give Mizzou fans that, I think that's what they're looking for. Consistency and a little bit of every once in a while, give us a chance to do something special.
0: So here's here's my uh, here's sort of my expectation. Uh, Or maybe we'll say my hope. Um, And and I don't want to necessarily say like Missouri is the next Virginia, but I'm going to kind of use Virginia as a little bit of an example. Uh, Missouri is a historically better basketball program than Virginia. Uh, It took sort of Virginia hiring the, the very right coach for that program in that league, which is a very tough league. Uh, to sort of put them in the same conversation uh, as the elite in that league. Um, and then you also look if you want a, another example in the SEC like you can you can look at Florida. Uh, Florida was nothing until they hired Billy Donovan. I mean Lon Kruger had a few years, you know way back in the day. Um, you know, maybe, maybe for our older listeners, it was only a couple of years ago for for you guys. Um, I I know how that is, but uh, you know, he was there in like the early to mid '90s and and had a good run. Um, but Florida really came to what it is today, which is not quite a blue blood, but a program that is in that that upper tier, the sort of Texas Ohio State level, you know, strong football school, uh, having enough resources to make them competitive with basketball. Um, but it still took Billy Donovan you know, four or five, six years before they kind of hit a stride. Uh, and even then, like it, it still took a couple years before they were uh, at a national championship level. Um, And so what I think Missouri should be hoping for is years two through four, maybe two through five or six is consistently making the tournament. And I mean, every year making the tournament, uh, your down year, you're a, nine seed or 10 seed on a good year you're a six seed um if you have a really good year hey maybe you can bump up to like a four um but you need to have that for a a period of time that is is not insignificant like it it needs to be something where the, the the players that are being recruited uh at the end of that cycle only remember Missouri as being in perennial NCAA tournament team and then when you reach that level, you can turn the page and, and start recruiting uh, and expecting to land uh, a higher caliber player consistently. Uh, and I think this is kind of what happened for, uh, for Florida. It's what happened for Virginia, uh, where they were, they were doing more with less. And then they were able to land higher tier guys uh, and achieve more because it sort of put them over the top with the talent level. And so that's what I want to see is is maybe it takes six years uh, of consistently making the tournament with, with you know, solid results. Um, but at some point, the, the program needs to turn the corner. And I do think that Konzo can do that. But in order to do that, Missouri has to be consistent for a sustained period of time. Uh, and and that's one of the reasons why I think Kanzo Martin has kind of been the right hire for the program is if you get your... Uh, so this is year three. If they make the tournament this year and then they make the tournament the next four consecutive years, you know, now we're five, six, seven. All right. And that's been seven years of Conso Martin has been at Missouri, four straight years of making the tournament uh, or five straight, whatever. Um, but you kind of see what I'm saying. And then there's only the one year that was the aberration where their best player got hurt that they didn't make the tournament. And that's that's what you make as your recruiting pitch. Uh, and it becomes easier to kind of land that the guys that can kind of get you over the top.
1: No, that makes a lot of sense. And I, I think Conzo has done a good job so far of landing a lot of really solid players. And I don't mean that as an insult. Like I actually legitimately mean that like Javon Pickett's a good player. Um, a guy like Mario McKinney, I think is going to be a good college basketball player. I think Torres Watson is going to develop into a good college basketball player. I think Mark Smith, a guy that he didn't obviously end up landing as a recruit, but ended up landing him after he transferred, is a really good college basketball player. Like He's done a good job of landing these guys. And if he can continue to do that, and I think he can, it's going to land him in the place where you're talking about right now, where he's got to be a good coach and he's got to be able to do more with quote-unquote less by having a lot of solid basketball players as opposed to transcendent or special Mm -hmm. players. But when you're able to do that consistently, then you can land those special basketball players. The guy that's a five-star out of St. Louis that in the past maybe doesn't come to Mizzou. And now, because he has some buddies that went there and he sees that they've been able to do more with less, he's now considering them in a way that he maybe wouldn't have in the past. And if you're able to do that, three, four, five years down the road, whenever that may be, that's when you're able to turn that corner that you're talking about, and that's the way that this goes from being a consistent winner, a team that Mizzou fans are back on board with and they're able to fill Mizzou Arena again, then it goes into, oh, wow, this team, I didn't even realize it, but now they're a Sweet 16 contender more often than not. And that's the way you do it. And it is possible at a place like Mizzou because of the geography of where they are and how great of a town basketball-wise St. Louis is. But you've got to have that start. The start is what we're talking about now. And I I actually have some <laughs> questions for you on this team. But like, I think this can be a really solid team. I, I look at it, and in the past, Sam, when we've had these conversations, we've talked about, man, how do you find eight guys within this lineup that can actually legitimately give you minutes. Right. I remember talking about this whenever Kim Anderson was the coach and I was like, do they even have eight college basketball division one players on the roster right now? And it was really hard to find a way to be able to kind of finagle the rotation to a point where you're not having guys that shouldn't be on the court for a power five team on the court in meaningful minutes. I feel like it's the opposite this year. I feel like they've got like 10 guys that I want to get on the court and by January or February, they're going to be narrowing that down to eight. And so I I think that's going to be the difficult decisions that Konzo is going to have to make this year, as opposed to trying to extend his bench to eight, which has been a difficult, uh, difficult thing to do in the past for Mizzou.
0: Well, I actually think the, uh, the number 10 is is certainly something that I I, I feel is realistic for, uh, for him. Um, because one of the things that Konzo has really done a good job of is, is sort of being a, a, a much better student in like the last three or four years of the game, uh, and, and learning and understanding like what, uh, you can do from a different uh, perspective than what maybe he was brought up in. Um, you know, he, he comes from, you know, the Katie line, which is very, very much motion offense, man to man defense. Um, you know, you're going to win by defense and rebounding and limiting possessions. Um, And, and he's, he's modified that. I mean, they they don't quite play as fast as, as maybe some of us would like, Um, you know, but they, they do take their opportunities. They they do play a very different uh, style of offense than, uh, than anything that Katie preached. Uh, And I think one of the guys that, that has had some sort of uh, influence on him recently is leonard hamilton at florida state and and hamilton's ab- ability to just sort of recruit guys that are going to be willing to buy into um, the kind of concept where you're going to play more people and you're going to you're going to play less and your numbers aren't maybe aren't going to reflect um, as as many points as maybe you could go uh, elsewhere but we're going to win at a high level and we're going to win playing a lot of guys and and i think you get a lot more buy-in uh, you know, that's one of the things that I think has sort of helped like Barry Odom is, is guys that just feel like they're bought into the program. Uh, and I think that's one thing that Conzo's really done in short order is making sure that everybody that, um, you know, that's signed up is, is, is going to be there for the team and, um, and be willing to, you know, maybe take a, a back seat to a guy because he's having a hot shooting night and, and doing whatever it takes to, to sort of win in that moment.
1: No, I think that's true. Um, I just look at this and like I'll, I'll go down the roster now real quick. Like Torrance Watson should be on the court this year. Xavier Penson, Trey Jackson, Javon Pickett, Mitchell Smith, Mario McKinney, Drew Smith, Mark Smith, Reed Nico, Jeremiah Tillman. I, I'm guessing Kobe Brown's probably going to see some minutes this year. Like I just went through. I think 11 players that should probably see the court more often than not this year. And so it's going to be a really tricky decision of how much of this is development for the future versus how much is this development and playing for right now. Like Reed Nico probably isn't a guy that's going to help you in the future. Given the fact that he's a senior, Mm -hmm. he might not be one of the best players on the team right now, but he can help you. Like if you want to win right now, he should probably be a part of your rotation. He's, he's
0: but, more likely and, and very comfortable as as sort of Tillman's backup.
1: Right. And so he's probably the guy that should be one of like the third big or something like that. But later on in the season, let's say things don't go the way that we're anticipating and they go south a little bit and it's very clear that this isn't going to be a tournament team do they decide that for the betterment of the program moving forward, he's not going to be a part of the rotation as much as probably they were anticipating. I don't know. I don't know the answer to these questions, but those are the types of things that eventually Konzo could be tested with this year. And I'm going to be really interested to see the answers to some of those questions. If we end up having to go down that path.
0: Uh, I'm willing to go out on a limb and and I'm going to say that, that, uh, that's not really going to be something that happens for this team. I think overall the SEC is, is, uh, is not going to be as good. Um, And I think that's going to,
1: I hope not. I I want to be clear. I I hope that that's not the case. I hope that this team's fantastic, right? Like I want them to be as good as possible. And I think they have the talent to contend this year. Um, But if they were to go down a different
0: path, I don't necessarily see them as like a, like a 27 win team or anything like that. But I think, I think this is a team that, that should very easily get to 20 uh and 22 23 wins wouldn't surprise me.
1: Oh, well if if that's the case and maybe I'm under underestimating the the roster as a whole then like I I think I'm high on the roster but then you say 22 23 wins and I'm like, "Oh, maybe I am a little low on the roster." Um <laughs> if if that's the way that you view them relative and you certainly know the rest of the SEC better than I do, um then this is going to be really fun to watch what he does with the rotation because I I do think they have some players that are better than what we've seen at Mizzou. And I think the depth is certainly better than what we've seen at Mizzou over the last few years. I'm really interested to see how it all comes together. Like I I think they've got some really interesting pieces and I'm interested to see how it all comes together. What is Mario McKinney's role on this team? For example, I don't know, but I want to see what that looks like for this roster as the, whatever it may be fourth or fifth guard. I I'm interested in seeing stuff like that early on in the season.
0: Yeah, there is a lot of that that I think uh, is still sort of a very, very much an open-ended question. Um, but it's it's nice to be like w- wondering where your uh, your four-star freshman guard is going right. to find minutes, you know, as opposed to uh, maybe some some previous seasons. Um,
1: where it was like, that guy's your number one player.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's just like, oh man, he's going to have to come in and start and give us, you know, 13 points a game. Yeah. Um, Like, yeah, so Mario isn't going to have that expectation. Um, You know, Trey Jackson isn't going to have that expectation. I think a lot of people are pretty high on his ceiling. Uh, But I think there's going to be a little bit of a learning curve for him. Um, He's smaller
1: than I thought. Um, I know he's not a small guy, but I saw the strength and conditioning coach tweeted out the other day some of the pictures from the before and afters of where the players were when they first got into the strength and conditioning program and where they are today. I was a little surprised by how not large Trey Jackson is. Did you notice that?
0: Uh, Well, yeah, I mean, he's, he's a guy who, uh, I mean, he's like, he's like six, eight or nine, Yeah, um, but he's, he's slender. Yeah. He's got to put some, some weight on and I think he'll get there. Like he's, he's not a guy that's going to play around the rim a lot. I mean, he really is sort of like a. Uh, a guy who can step out you know more kind of mid post to three-point line and and like kind of make plays there. Uh, yeah like not not quite as skilled as jante a little bit more athletic um jante's skill level was through the roof like i, I sometimes i don't quite think we because we saw him as this kind of like pudgy uh you know kid that should have been a high school senior like we we didn't quite appreciate how skilled he was and until he sort of broke out down the stretch a little bit but um i think i think trey i mean trey trey is going to help the team i just don't think he's going to he's going to be like a starter from day one I, I i'm curious to see sort of how they, they play this lineup uh in the early going because i'm the uh, you know the three freshmen are, are are all guys who have sort of different skill levels and, and different positions and what they do well and uh and kind of getting into like you know Torrance Watson. You know, like, what are they going to do with Torrance Watson, who you know broke out big time at the end of the year uh, and looked like a guy who should be starting? Um, you know, versus you know, J- you know Javon Pickett, and we know Mark Smith is is capable of being the best player in the team. So,
1: um, it's you know it's what start- I love, Sam? What's that? They have shooting, and that's a really nice thing to have. Like, it, for so many years, they just had no shooting whatsoever. And it feels like this year they've got three, four, five guys that can actually knock down three-point shots, and I'm very much looking forward to that.
0: Yeah, I mean the the with Mark Smith shooting like forty-seven something percent from the uh, three-point line last year, it just sort of gets you excited. And then and then Torrance over his last like twelve games is oh, yeah. shooting like forty-three percent. I and I think he's capable of sustaining that. So. He shot forty
1: four percent from the from two in conference play, thirty four percent from three. Like, if he can improve on that a little bit, that's a really good player.
0: Well, and that's the thing if, if you if you actually take out, I think it's like his last twelve games, um, and that's sort of like where you know Mark got hurt and wasn't a part of the lineup. Um, like Torrance, and maybe it wasn't all twelve, but it was like nine, maybe it's something, something like that. Like he he started getting a lot more comfortable at that point of the season. And and he was as good on catch and shoots as as really anybody in the SEC, uh, you know, the last nine or 10 games.
1: Yeah. And that's something that's going to be exciting to watch because I, I think this team has some players that are capable of showing up in big spots like that. And the one thing that early on in the year, I'm going to be really interested in because this is something that we saw whenever it was, quote-unquote Michael Porter Jr.'s team, and he went down early, it became very clear early in the season, Cassius Robertson, when you needed a big shot, was going to take the big shot, more often than not, was going to make the big shot. Right. I'm interested to see when the S hits the fan, <laughs> who's the guy that's going to take that shot for this team this year? Yeah. It could be Drew Smith. It could be Mark Smith. It could be Javon Pickett. Like there, There's options on the table there, but I'm really going to be interested to see – who ends up being the guy with a capital T, capital G when everything needs to be on the line for this team. And somebody's going to emerge, I would hope, but it, I'm going to be interested to see who it ultimately is.
0: Yeah. I think you could do a lot worse with Jeremiah Tillman running a pick and roll with Drew Smith and have Mark uh, and Drew or, and Torrance in the corners. Like that's, that's, That'll play. that's deadly. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That'll play,
0: but uh, well, we we need to get out of here. um We're kind of throwing a, a lot of podcasts at people these days, and I want to make sure that uh, everyone is listening to other podcasts. um You got anything else for you? You want to holler at before you, we get out of here? I guess.
1: So one thing that I want to say, um and I am going to be writing about this here within the next couple of days. Hopefully, we'll have it up on Rock M as quick as possible. But I, I find this Mizzou football team to be so damn likable. Like I. The, the viral videos, the fact that they had fewer transfers from the roster than any other team in the SEC, even though they're the team that has the bull band this year, um, the underdog mentality that it seems like they have. I think it's amazing that it feels like Barry Odom is finally kind of settling in now as a head coach. I mean, listen, I'm not the biggest fan of barstool sports, but... He let a dude from Barstool just like follow the team around for a week. Like that's a cool thing, man. That, that, that real that stuff, it doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things, but it does kind of matter. It allows your fans to kind of get a little insight that they wouldn't have otherwise had. I, I think this team is really likable. And on face value, that doesn't matter a ton if you don't win. right. But I think this team has the potential to win big. And if they do, them being likable and them having a guy from bar stools follow them around for a week and these viral videos that they're putting out, all of that stuff is going to become really valuable down the road when the team is winning, especially if this bull band gets overturned. And now you're getting into November and you've got a chance to have not just a good season, but a special season. And that's when things become really interesting and the likable nature of this team becomes a little bit more important
0: yeah uh, I agree with you I and mean, we, we sort of texted back and forth on on that and I think it's it's one of the things, and it's not just the dancing. I was kind of making a joke, but um, <laughs> you know the, like there are a lot of guys who are in front of cameras and answering questions and and they're, they are very charismatic. Um, I, I, I think you'll be hard pressed to find anybody who might be more media savvy than, than Kelly Bryant at the quarterback position. Uh, but up and down the roster, there's just guys that you see and you you find yourself rooting for uh, their success. Um, and it, it's it's nice when you have a team full of guys that you just you want to see them succeed at a personal level. And then obviously, uh, I mean, you always want your team to do well, but um, I just think it, it it makes a difference when the head coach is likable, uh, the players that he recruits are likable. Uh, and they're also like, you know, with with, you know, Trey Williams sort of outstanding on that, uh, they're not getting in trouble. Uh, and we'll, yeah. we'll knock on wood for that. But um, when you have likable kids, likable coaches, uh, and they're not getting in trouble, like it's so much easier to root for them. Uh, so I, I really think I'm, I'm interested to see you kind of flesh those ideas out and see where it goes. But uh, uh, but yeah, that'll be on Rockham Nation in the coming days. Um, make sure that if you uh, have not already, that you are subscribed to Rock'em Nation Podcasts on uh, Apple Podcasts, and uh, and we're on the, the Google Android Store as well. Um, things that are coming, uh, there's going to be basically three podcasts a week uh, heading your way throughout the football season. Woo-hoo. It's going to be a lot of podcasting. Um so I'm excited for where, where things are going. Make sure you're subscribed. If you uh, do want and haven't already, uh, please head over. Give us some, uh, some ratings. Five stars are good. Uh, and in the meantime, you can also follow uh, and put up with lots of Chiefs tweets. <laughs> um but you can follow brandon on twitter at bk sports talk you can follow me give
1: us a review too <laughs> give sam a review tell him how much you like him and how much you appreciate <laughs> the fact that he put together such an awesome staff for rockinvnation.com
0: yeah, we, we, we like that stuff we like our, our our ego stroke a little bit uh but i will be back um maybe next week i actually don't know uh i'm leaving tomorrow morning for a little vacation uh and i will be back uh i don't know if i'll have time to kind of put together a podcast maybe i'll just make matt uh settle up and do another one with me me. but we'll be back soon to talk more mizzou hoops and until then uh thanks for tuning in